Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Move Nourished podcast, where we discuss nutritious eating, functional movement, and herbal medicine to help you move, eat, and live better. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. We're clinical herbalists, movement coaches, and wellness nerds. Let's get started. So the single most important thing, the TLDR, the too long don't read of today's episode, is that adaptogens are, I would argue, the number one most misunderstood and misused category of herbs in our modern alternative medicine landscape. They are credit cards, as we will show you, that give the illusion of having more than you have in the bank, but they come with interest and they have a credit limit. Would you agree? Yeah, I would I would agree. We're gonna look at some cool history and of the use and misuse of these and see how the marketing and even the name adaption itself has slowly led to a misunderstanding of how these plants get used. And that kind of paired with the idea of adrenal fatigue that we talked about last time. Spoiler alert, of, if you haven't listened to that episode, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Go back and listen <laughs> to why. Those two concepts together have fed each other and, and led our, to a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah, and a really good example, I think, probably the best, the example par excellence of how we have used herbal medicine to try and facilitate this hyper-productive, hyper-capitalist lifestyle. And then the resistance that we have, like we spoke about in the last episodes, to just slowing down and resting, we have somehow managed to find a way to do that with a style of medicine that traditionally has emphasized rest and convalescence and recovery. So before we get too much deeper for our listeners, let's talk about how this name, this category of adaptogens doesn't really have any cohesion or mean anything and is just morphed in response to commercialization of herbs. But what is our list? What plants do people mean right. when we're talking about adaptogens now? And then we'll talk about what that originally meant next. Actually, first caveat, I think just saying here in the beginning is that we are going to criticize adaptogens, their use and the term, mm -hmm. but we are both herbalists who use yes. a these plants in our practices with care. Yes, because that's um, what we're going to so, talk about next episode is that there is absolutely a correct way to use these plants and they are incredibly powerful facilitators of recovery. And so I don't want to get into that now because we'll talk about that next episode. But they're absolutely, we both are of the opinion that there is absolutely a correct way to use these plants. It's just not how they are used in the exactly. world as we see it 90% of the time. So what are adaptions? What are the plants? We'll get into what the term means or doesn't mean in a second, but just like laying out the field here. Mm -hmm. Primarily adaptogens, we're talking about stimulating plants, specifically stimulating plants that were traditionally considered tonics in Chinese or Ayurvedic medicine, usually. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's the Aurelia family. So ginseng, Siberian ginseng or Elrithro, American ginseng. Then we have things like rhodiola. Those kind of, yeah, so I would think rhodiola, shishandra, ginseng, Elrithro are the core adaptogens. Yes, that, they're the OGs. They're the OGs. And then we can even add to that some lesser known things like Spike Nard, Devil's Club, Crossvine that have similar effects. Then to that list, to the stimulants, which really is the core when we think of adaptogens, that 
stimulating tonic also added to the list frequently are immune stimulants like mm-hmm. astragalus she. sometimes mm-hmm. uh, yeah reishi a lot of mushrooms sometimes mushrooms. is added to that list because okay. it's an immune stimulant it just depending on who you're looking at then we have nerve tonics though interestingly usually it's only exotic nerve tonics that gets added to the list so that's yeah. where we start to get into more of the politics of it so and the commercialization of it mm-hmm Ashwagandha and Tulsi are almost always listed as adaptogens. But Completely rarely... different category of plants, by the way, people. Yeah. If you don't know anything <laughs> about herbalism, there, there could not be more of a difference in the way ashwagandha works between that and the way like ginseng works. I would say there's some crossover, but in my mind, those like are two different are categories very different. of plants. The only thing that they have in common is that they both act on the nervous system. And maybe I could see ashwagandha being like oh it has some energy building qualities that is why it got added to the list but then tulsi really fits in with lemon balm and skull cap and things like that and you hardly ever see skull cap or milky Mm. oats or lemon balm added to the adaptogen list passion flower yeah then a lot of sexual health tonics end up making on a list so maca is a big one yeah cordyceps epimedium hard again these sometimes have energy building effects no in their listeners. but the list starts to expand with those and so so far we've had things out of the list that can make some sense can have some traditional associations that you're like okay i can see where where somebody that added that mm-hmm. then finally you have stuff out of the list that's pure bullcrap marketing just so then you have turmeric added to the list of adaptogens you have Milk thistle put on there. You have moringa and goji berries and bee pollen and spirulina and whatever the what? next bad herb is, you'll see it on adaptogen lists. And so then it becomes like adaptogen is just a just more herbally term for superfood, which is yeah, a that's, yeah, kind mm-hmm, of crappy that's a term. Good one. So I feel um, like you could also make the argument that adaptogen has low-key replaced superfood as the new buzzword. And it's just a it really meaning, has. as of right where we stand right now, I would say it's like virtually a meaningless term yeah a lot if, of in if a you lot walk of ways. into a, or you know like a, the health food section of a store it's just like become completely meaningless so i guess even as we talk about myths about adaptogens we almost have to narrow our scope is that we're right. really primarily looking at that core stimulating adaptogen list but the, the og adaptogens but, with some with some flexibility for acknowledging okay yes maybe Maca does have some similarities to this category when viewed through the lens of Peruvian medicine or something like that. But understanding that an already problematic category of herbs it been is made more problematic yeah. by the fact that things just get thrown in and be as being adaptogens just because they're exotic and expensive and Give can you be. Maybe, yeah. Well, that brings us to our first myth here is that harmful myth number one about this category that we call adaptogens is that there is such a thing as a traditional category of herbal medicine that comes from herbal medicine called adaptogens. And so again, for the purposes of like pretty much here on out in this episode, dear listener, when we say adaptogens, what we mean is that core of adaptogens. So you're stimulating nervous system, stimulating plants like ginseng, like Eleuthero, like Shizandra, like Rhodiola. So even those, we, I said in, earlier in the episode that they were the OGs, but even those adaptogens do not belong to any sort of cohesive, coherent, traditional category of herbal medicine. There is no traditional category of adaptogen. Right. So Those plants have, have been used. 
That's different mm-hmm. than saying those plants have not been used. Those plants have absolutely been used for many, many hundreds of years, especially some of the ones from TCM, like ginseng, right. like had a hugely long history. But as far as lumping it into this category of adaptogens, that is no older than the 1960s Cold War Russian research to help right. make their soldiers perform better, which is where we get that term. I'll try to keep it brief. But <laughs> history buff over here. We got we gotta, we gotta to rate him in. <laughs> we the term adaption comes from a Soviet researcher named Zakir Romanazov, and I hope I'm saying the name probably. We do our best. Um, so he was looking at performance enhancing medicines, and he was inspired by experiences he had had with rhodiola while hiking in Eastern Russia. And this was in the 60s, right? I believe so. So he started studying specifically plants used in traditional Siberian herbalism. So that was Shishandra, Rhodiola, and Elrithro. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually they added ginseng to the list. Mm. But it, originally it was those three. And the idea was is looking at he was looking at plants that improve generalized resistance under duress. Mm-hmm. So So their soldiers tri- could swim longer, swim further, yes. stay awake longer perform at peak performance for longer and so that's what the purpose of his research right. was. right and so trigger warning the uh, the initial research that termed Ooh, yeah. what an adaptogen was would be letting rats swim and the idea would be was that rats could swim for about 20 minutes actively when thrown in water before they just floated and lost the will to swim actively when given erythro Rats would swim from 45% to 80% longer Longer. on average. So that was like the term of, okay, let's take a lot of different herbs used in traditional medicine and let's give them to rats and see which ones prolong active swim time, which is how long you can keep swimming when you're in a life-threatening situation. Then after that, they started doing it with sleep deprivation trials Mm -hmm. and high intensity training with Soviet soldiers. And so it was all this, an herb that helps you stay, use fight or flight. Increase short-term performance. So we can see how that would be very tempting, dear listener, can we not? We can see how that would seem like a really great thing and used properly, it absolutely is. But what we have to remember about this is that that energy is not free. So we're going to get right. into that a little bit later. But just yes. I understand that it's a very seductive thing to be like, well, you mean to tell me that I can take this plant and I can swim longer and go faster and think better and not get sick? Like, I don't see the problem here. Like, our hyperproductive grind culture mindset, would you know, we have to kind of temper that here and, and say, J- just wait. <laughs> just wait. Right. Because it's not, yes. it's not all that it seems. <laughs> so original term adaptogen is Russian with a spe- very specific use. The plants are of, older, but the use of them the in this plant, specific way, the, like an adaptogen, yeah. is not older than the 1960s. The plants are older, and the, and the most famous kind of sense we have of their use comes from Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. where they're considered qi tonics. And there's okay. qi tonics mm-hmm. that are non-stimulating, like cotinopsis, mm-hmm. that don't get added to the adaptogen list. And then there's stimulating qi tonics that are shorter act, that they, they work fast. And those are the ones that fit in with this... Soviet idea of an adaptogen and eventually yep. got added to the studies. They yep. they started looking at astragalus, looking at ginseng and finding, okay, 
this fits the bill with their Siberian cousins, Elrithro and Rhodiola. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So we have this mixing of this chi tonic category with this Soviet study of performance enhancing and mm -hmm. it all gets exported to the West and the translation <laughs> that comes out of the herbal and naturopathic world at the time is this is a treatment for adrenal fatigue, which oh, was Lord. becoming a really popular theory that again, we talked about last class, yep. but so mm -hmm. It was like, oh, last class, you're such a teacher understand. for us. Last episode, dear listeners. Last episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we have this thing of fatigue and we are starting to have in the alternative medicine world, this theory of adrenal fatigue or whatever. That's the reason for it. And then we have an explanation for these herbs that are not very well understood in the West for these mm. Chinese herbs. So like, seductive, oh, friends. You so can see seductive. how seductive so, this is. So we can say, okay, some people aren't totally down with the idea of a chi deficiency and this vital energy stuff. And so what is the scientific idea of what this chi tonic does? Oh, it's an adaptogen. And so we got this kind of use of the Russian research that's not understood to uh, explain the traditional Chinese medicine that's not understood. And then just let's just apply it to herbs and use it for people here. Oh my gosh. Make lots of money. So that kind of brings us to that. We've skipped over myth number two, but we'll circle back to that. So that brings us to myth number three, which is this idea that adaptogens somehow increase adrenal function or counteract adrenal burnout. And there has been right. absolutely no evidence to support that that the adaptogenic plants that we've been talking about, the stimulant adaptogens, have any effect on adrenal function at all. Right. Yes, there's nothing there. I there's mean, nothing there. there. A lot of the Russian research on the testing that they did still remains untranslated. There was mm -hmm. definitely theorizations, at least, that the, some of these plants had an effect on the HPA axis, mm -hmm. but if they did affect the HPA axis, it was in the context of under the duress of a high of stress situation. Stressor. Yep. Um, so, and as we have said in the last episode, that actually is not a problem that they don't increase adrenal function or counteract adrenal burnout because adrenal burnout is not a real thing anyway. Right. So that's actually so not a problem, but it's just it's a very a pervasive myth. It's a very pervasive myth that kind of got made from these assumptions of, oh, well, if this can maybe affect adrenal function under duress, then maybe this will be the thing that stimulates adrenal function in this supposed adrenal fatigue. Which also, I would say, brings us to a second narrative and circling back to our second myth. So myth, no, we've done one, three, two, but myth number two is that this other narrative that I see less often, but if people have sort of discarded the idea or practitioners have discarded the idea that adaptogens affect the adrenal function and then counteract the burnout. So if they if they have had enough sense to discard that idea, there's sometimes this other narrative that like, oh, adaptogens normalize your body function and they they bring you back yeah. to some sort of homeostasis, which is also not true. Like people, they are stimulants. They are sti stimulants. Yes. Don't and, know how much and, more clear about it we can be. <laughs> And in Chinese medicine, they were studied as stimulating energy. Mm. So even, even if they weren't considered stimulants, even if in Chinese medicine, they were considered to be energy building in some mm. kind of deeper way, mm -hmm. there's a whole list of contraindications for when you don't want mm -hmm. to use those plants in general or even those spe specific plants from those categories because you can 
overbuild but you can over tonify certain things so there's a whole list of that from a traditional perspective the russian research was studying them as not just as stimulants, but as yeah. a special maybe we can call them they're a special kind of stimulant mm-hmm. so they're not just stimulants like caffeine. just an analog to caffeine but mm-hmm. they're a stimulant that that stimulates you in a different way that helps performance better than just caffeine or other kinds of stimulants that were being studied at the time. But still, nowhere in traditional use in the Russian research was this idea of they just help you balance either way. Yeah. They help you adapt to a stressor. I don't know where that myth came from. And it, it almost seems like in some say, circumstances, it came from the semantics of the name. Yeah. Of like, right. oh, Adaptogens it's an adaptogen. help you adapt. Yeah. Because nowhere is this idea of it'll help you go either way. It'll help if you need more energy, it'll give you more energy. If you need, le- if you need to calm down, it'll help you calm down. That is just complete. Made up. Completely made, made up. up. And I've literally sat in herb conferences and herbalists, some that I respect a lot of their knowledge, talk about, well, you need to use caution with nervines or with this kind of herb because you don't want to over relax somebody or overstimulate somebody. So that's like and then they 0% say, of America's problem. So and, just and then they say, but adaptogens, you can always be, feel safe using them because they oh, help your, they help your body adapt to stress. And it's like this this regurgitated myth that even intelligent people are like Ooh, indoctrinated dangerous. in. And you're like, actually, we're talking about one of the most temperamental mm-hmm. groups Strongest. of commonly used herbal mm-hmm. form rem- remedies. And this myth has snowballed to the effect that now a few generations later, there are herbalists who literally are like, I don't know what to do in this case. So I'm going to throw gonna adaptogens at it because yeah. I believe that adaptogens are help you adapt to stress so they'll be good in any case and it's whoa whoa let's take that back hold on yeah because that actually very neatly brings us to myth number four which is the idea that adaptogens are safe to take every day over the long term and they absolutely are not nothing in the research even in the 60s nor in any of the traditional literature on these plants individually from further back than that nothing gives you the indication that these are meant to be taken daily over the long term they especially are especially not especially not in all people yeah um, especially not just categorically sure there may but, be people there may be situations which we'll talk about in our next episode where it's like someone it may be inappropriate for them to take this over the long term if especially if the alternative is fatigue from dying from cancer right yeah you go ahead you go like there are absolutely situations where it's that's fine but not this sort of broad spectrum anybody can take them that they are, they're just generally safe to take over the long term. There yeah. are well-documented side effects from overuse in all of the literature around each of these individual plants and in the Russian research. Heart if palpitations, of- insomnia, crash periods afterwards, which we'll talk about next. Like, yeah. Definitely not just safe to categorically take every day for the rest of your life unless specific, right. and, unless and just a very again- specific case. I think it's become something that just has become the practice and we don't even know where it's inched into that mm-hmm. besides just commercialism. I mean, yep. mm-hmm. even within the Russian idea of the adaptogen was using it under these high stress situations. Um, short term. Short term. Short term. The traditional use of a lot of these plants was either kind of a folk use comparable to 
the Russian idea. So using Elrithro to help fight altitude sickness or mm -hmm. chewing on Shashandra berries when you're on a hike. I mean, it's not, it doesn't make the list, but cocaine would probably, right. if, for, if it wasn't for other political, political reasons, mm -hmm. would probably be on this list of adaptogens. But like that. Well, and idea, also it actually is used that way. I've lived in Latin America forests. They drink and it is used tea that way. instead mm -hmm. of, and it's just like a couple of leaves. It's a vastly different scenario uh -huh. than this villainized and, thing that we know is cocaine. So. Yes. And so if it wasn't for them, how it, if it wasn't for its use in the drug trade and, and legal things, like sure. we would see cocaine next to ginseng on or this coca, list because it coca had, plant or coca leaf yeah, itself coca yeah leaf. and it was used even in coca. 19th century medicine coca-cola mm -hmm. things like that in a way that was very similar to what we're thinking of how ginseng is used today so in chinese medicine they use these plants for usually short-term building energy a lot mm -hmm. of times you think of it as you're giving someone the energy they need to recover mm -hmm. there's frequently mandates that you have to do bed rest while taking these medicines yeah. so that yeah. so that you don't waste the energy that they're giving you on daily life instead right. you Not use that energy to for... overextend exactly that's the there... analogy of the credit card again dear listener is that the credit card ideally right you spend on it but then you pay it back as soon as you can and i guess that brings us to myth number five it does is adaptogens give you energy for free with no crash consequences or rebounds. Categorically and untrue. Categorically untrue. We can think of them like the credit card. Yep. You can use the credit card for the for good <laughs> to get you to... A lifestyle to change if you're trying make to Make a lifestyle from, change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, you just you can use the credit card for financially to get yourself open ahead. up, open up mm -hmm. a business, get yourself ahead, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of idea. But you can also use a credit card to just spend, spend, spend the money that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And you can use adaptogens the same way. They do. And this is where I think I differ. I know there's some who talk about adaptogens as well. But really, they're just stimulants. No different than caffeine. Nope. They do, do have a qualitative difference. I don't know what mm -hmm. that is. I don't yeah. think it's the, it, they stimulate the adrenals, which is what has been suggested. No. I don't know mm -hmm. if there's any research suggesting that, but there is a qualitative difference in the um, type of energy you get from mm -hmm. ginseng versus caffeine. Caffeine yes. makes you feel like, woo, I got a little energy. Hey. Ginseng digs deep for some kind of reserve is mm -hmm. the metaphor kind of thing we can say yes and, and i would say that of... my experience of them and my experience in the, the few cases where i have given them to clients would back that up where yeah, again definitely. i don't know what the research has because the only research that we have is you know the russian research really much of which as you said remains untranslated but there there is a difference caffeine reduces your perception of your fatigue but yes this these adaptogen or these stimulant adaptogens actually reduce Eleuthero is very seductive because it just lets you go forever and you have physical energy, yeah. you have mental energy, you're focused. It's an incredibly powerful plant. So and it and and it is different than caffeine. It is. Um, but and, it's and, the, and so, similar in that there will still be a crash. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, there's still be a crash, but the and it's even in my experience a worse it can be a worse yes, crash. Because you're caffeine. drawing it's like you're making a, a larger withdrawal. Or making yes. a larger charge on the credit card than than yes. you are with. Caffeine. I think that's the best example. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think caffeine. You just are like you blew all the money in your wallet. 
Yep. You know, yeah. All the, and you're like, well, I'm broke um, now. I guess I should, no, should go home. Crap. Yeah. But with ginseng and with these other stimulating adaptogens, you are like dipping into your line into of credit. Your lines of credit. Or your, yeah. Or your, yeah. Or you're mm-hmm. you're like racking up the debt. Um, on a line like, of yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've seen I've seen truckers. I've seen mm-hmm. people who are trying to treat adrenal fatigue that end up in this level of burnout that is perhaps even deeper than they might have been able to get to themselves just with uh, a yes. chronic lifestyle overextending stress. yeah mm-hmm. i have used it for example i used it once during all weekend jujitsu seminar where we were on the mat doing martial arts for 12 hours three days in a row and so that would be again one of my examples where i felt it was appropriate to give myself a little bit of energy for a short-term thing i also booked in several days after that where i took off of work because the monday after that weekend i have not experienced a fatigue that profound very rarely elsewhere in my life where I could not move for 24 hours. Yeah. And so I just need you to know, dear listeners, that there is absolutely the same type of crash or rebound period necessary when we are choosing to use some of these plants, especially if you're using them in like significant doses. They are not free. They do not give you energy for free. We should know by now that like nothing in this life is free, including the energy that you get from stimulant adaptogens. Yeah. And that's one of the things about them is that if it was just, oh, these things, it's a bunch of marketing crap and they don't really do anything, then that you would might be not even thing. have to have this podcast because right. it would just be like, oh, well, maybe you're wasting your money. Mm-hmm. These are very powerful plants mm-hmm. that have a very real effect. The effect is just a lot different than the narrative has been spun into. Absolutely. So lastly, myth number six is the idea that adaptogens are quote unquote balanced and that they are appropriate for everyone. We talked a little bit about this where it's, it's safe for everyone to take them over the long term, but not only are they not safe for everyday use over the long term. They are also not a plant that I would consider energetically balanced or definitely not suited for everyone. And this is another thing I've heard again and again. We talk about in herbalism, the energetic idea of like hot, cold, damp, damp dry. dry. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard herbalists talk about, well, I don't want to give these herbs because I don't want to overheat or over dry the client, but I'll give them rhodiola because that's an adaptogen and it, ba- oh it's my God. balanced. Rhodiola so is the most I'm drying like, plant rhodiola I have ever taken into my body. Yes. It's just. Crazy. Literally the I feel like rhodiola just like estranged my brain when I took it. It's a very drying, very warming plant. Literally, ginseng in China is considered to be so warming that it can overheat conditions that there are literally poachers in the United States poaching American ginseng and selling it to China for Chinese medicine Mm -hmm. because American ginseng has the extra quality that it's not as heating or drying Mm -hmm. and so it is highly sought after in chinese medicine as an exotic for them because they're they want to give ginseng and but ginseng overheats and they understand it overheats and so they're seeking out this other plant it's just so ridiculous to think that these plants are completely balanced um even the use of ginseng and some of these plants in Chinese medicine, there's cases recorded in traditional Chinese texts of patients being killed yeah. by the use of ginseng in an active infection or active mm-hmm. fever. That's mm-hmm. how I don't Powerful know. They are. I, I, 
not seen that or heard that firsthand or seen cases, but in the historical record, they're talking about that these plants are so powerful that when used at the wrong time in an active infection, it killed patients. So that shows that the they're not this, oh, take them and they're intelligent and the body will know if you want they want to cool or heat or warm or dry. And there are a or couple what, of plants just, like that, just for the record, that yeah. I think that both of us believe that Solomon seal acts that way, for example. But like, yes, these plants that, are not like that. <laughs> that's the hard part is there are really cool, weird plants that do know which way you to need know to go. which way that it would to dry or not to dry. But these are not them. And the mythology that they are them then makes things dangerous. confusing mm-hmm. and even decreases the the attention that plants that do have that mm-hmm. balancing action should be getting. Yeah, um, absolutely. All right. So to summarize here for you, dear listener, the best metaphor that we have for you when it comes to adaptogenic plants, the stimulant adaptogens, ginseng, eleuthero, schizandra, rhodiola, as we discussed, there are other things now that have just been lumped into that definition. But as far as the sort of OG core of what those are, those are the plants that we're talking about. Myth number one is that they are a traditional category of plants used in herbal medicine. They are absolutely not. The plants individually have nuanced and historical uses of them. But as a category called adaptogen is no older than Cold War Russia 1960s research. Myth number two is the idea that they somehow normalize the body's processes and help keep it in some sort of homeostasis. There are plants that do have that sort of phytointelligence, if you will. It's just that these adaptogenic stimulant adaptogens are not one of them. The myth number three is that they increase adrenal function or somehow counteract adrenal burnout. There is zero, zero evidence to support that they have any effect directly on the adrenals at all. Furthermore, adrenal burnout is not a thing, so go back and listen to last week's episode to learn more about that. Myth number four is the idea that they are safe to take every day over the long term. They absolutely are not, and they come with a long list of contraindications and a long list of cautionary uses, and they need to be used judiciously and skillfully. Myth number five, and perhaps this is the one that like gets my goat the most, is the idea that adaptogens give you energy for free with no crash, consequences, rebounds, nothing like that. And that is absolutely not true. You have, uh, And again, woven into the traditional uses of these plants on an, as, as individual plants is you're doing them while you're also mandated to do bed rest. You're doing them or and you also are built in a period afterwards where you can crash and recover because you have made a withdrawal. You have made a large charge on your credit card when you are your proverbial credit card when you're using these plants and you need to build in time to pay that back. And then lastly, but not least, is the idea or the myth that adaptogens are energetically balanced and therefore suited for everyone. The example Forrest gave was rhodiola being okay for someone uh, and being okay for everyone when it's one of the most incredibly drying plants that there is. Or ginseng, which is incredibly heating and can overheat people. Absolutely not suitable for everyone. Absolutely not suitable for willy-nilly long-term usage. Do you have anything that you'd like to close with, Forrest? Our next our next session will be talking about how we can actually use these plants from properly, a absolutely intelligent, proper perspective because we do love these plants. These are mm-hmm. really awesome plants. Absolutely. Um, All right. Yeah. This has been the Move Nourish podcast. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>